So is it taboo to start talking about football in, oh, I don't know, late January, early February, almost? I hope not because I'm going to do it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Don't worry, there's a lot of basketball talk coming up as well with our buddy Matthew Postens. We do that each and every week uh, here on the show. And thanks for joining us, by the way. Appreciate you being here. By the way, tell us what you want more of on this show. I want to make sure that I'm always accessible to you. So you can hit me up personally on Twitter at Pete Mundo. Um, my email is Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. There's something you want more of, something we're not doing that we should be doing. Please do let us know because I want to make sure we're giving you as much great content as we can. Uh, but I want to spend a few minutes here on my way too early 2021 Big 12 football predictions. Because I'm already fired up for next fall. When God willing, we're going to have full stadiums, normalcy, everything else. I, I, I can't wait. And I need you to be here with me along for the ride, all right? So here, let's get to it and do our way too early 2021 Big 12 football prediction. Start at the top. The Oklahoma Sooners at number one. And you know what? I think in any other year, you could make a strong case for Iowa State. I just can't do it right now. I can't. You look at the offensive talent back, Spencer Rattler, this was the year if somebody was going to pick off Oklahoma, it was going to be the year that Lincoln Riley had to work in a redshirt freshman quarterback. And Rattler was shaky early. We saw that against Iowa State and against Kansas State. But now, and as you saw this team play the second half of the season, uh, Rattler can be just as good as some of his predecessors. I'm not saying he is right now. I don't believe that he is, but he can be. He's got the potential to be. But more importantly, the defense. That's what has the chance to separate this Oklahoma team from other Oklahoma teams under Lincoln Riley. This defense, which over the second half of the 2020 season was by the advanced uh, metrics, one of the, if not the best defense in the country. Uh, so impressive. So I've still got Oklahoma in that number one spot. At number two, the Iowa State Cyclones. And Boy, this is going to be a hell of a one-two punch, isn't it? Watching these two teams fight it out here in uh, 2021. The amount of quality players Iowa State's uh, bringing back from Brock Purdy to Brees Hall to Charlie Kohler to Mike Rose. I just, the list goes on and on, returning on both sides of the ball for this team. So when I look at the Big 12 and I stack them up in the way too early 2021 uh, predictions, it's Oklahoma, it's Iowa State. I don't know how you could have it any other way. And then, uh, then there's a, a noticeable gap, I would say, as well. At number three, I'm putting the Texas Longhorns. Uh, they've got the talent. They always have had the talent. And I am buying into Steve Sarkeesian more and more every day with this staff that he is putting together. But, you know, we've been sold optimism before in Austin. I have bought the optimism before in Austin, as have many of you. But they did lose three games by 14 points. And now being able to build around like a, a B. John Robinson in the backfield and Alfred Collins on defense, uh, there is a strong case to be made that Texas can be a serious competitor atop the Big 12, but I cannot justify putting them higher than three at this point. At four, I'm putting the TCU Horn Frogs. Now, uh, the last couple of years, I thought TCU was going to be better than it was. And it's not the defense's fault. It's not. The defense um, 
was one of the best in the nation in the second half of the season. The question is, do they take a step forward on offense? Can Max Duggan take a step forward at quarterback? He didn't really do it for me this past year. Running back Zach Evans, five-star guy coming out of high school. Can he improve? Quentin Johnson, can he blossom into a start wide receiver? Uh, the offense has been holding this team back from being a Big 12 contender for uh, really since uh, the Kenny Hill year of 2017 when they reached the Big 12 title. Can they finally get that thing back on track? If they can, then they will be a top four team in the Big 12. If they can't, they could be as low as six or seven. At number five, I've got Oklahoma State. Uh, the Cowboys did not reach their potential in 2020. All right, they, they didn't. They had Big 12 championship game aspirations. I picked them to be there. Uh, at one point, they were number six in the country, and then it just kind of fell apart for them. The defense is actually what kept them in the mix, right? And they've got some key players coming back. Uh, Colby Harvell Peel using his free year of eligibility at safety. Spencer Sanders has another year under his belt. I'm not concerned with Chuba Hubbard leaving, but I, I, this still feels to me like a middle-of-the-pack team in this conference right now. The high-end four, the low-end seven or eight for Oklahoma State in the way-too-early Big 12 football predictions. At number six, the West Virginia Mountaineers. We're putting them in the number six spot. That defense, and by the way, I would say six through six through nine, you could pick in any order. Maybe five through eight. Depends. Either way, the middle of this conference is going to be a mishmash in a good way. So at uh, number six, West Virginia, they're bringing back nine of 11 starters on defense. And you've got to be excited about that if you're a West Virginia fan. But the question is, who the heck's playing quarterback? I, Jared Dagey, I just, I don't, I don't think Jared Dagey can get you to Big 12 championship contention. Not the game, even contention. I don't. The defense can do it. I don't see how Dagey can be the quarterback to make that happen. So I'm going to give him the nod at six, but I got to see more out of that quarterback spot before I get him any higher. Uh, at number seven, I'm going to roll with the Baylor Bears. This was a toss-up spot for me, by the way. I'm leaning with Baylor because of how they finished the season. They should have beaten Tech. They got by K-State. They played with Oklahoma. Um, and then they got blown out by Oklahoma State in a game where basically nobody played because of COVID for the Bears. And actually, with Charlie Brewer gone, I think they could be better on that side of the ball under Jacob Zeno. I know the offensive line was a mess, but they got a new offensive coordinator now in Jeff Grimes. Uh, Baylor's defense will be healthier under Dave Aranda, who's a defensive mastermind from his time at LSU in Wisconsin. I'm still high on what Baylor can do. They, they woefully underperformed in 2020, but this could be the surprise Big 12 team of 2021. At number eight, Kansas State. And yes, they got off to a great start at 4-0 in the Big 12. But then it just fell apart. And I know Skylar Thompson's coming back. I get that. Uh, but uh, still, there's a lot of pieces that were just either mediocre last year and are gone or just guys who are gone. Um, Chris Kleiman found a way his first two seasons to exceed expectations. It would not shock me if he did it again. But right now, I can't make a great case for it. So I've got to have uh, the Kansas State Wildcats in that number eight spot in my way too early uh, Big 12 football rankings for 2021. So we've got Oklahoma at one, Iowa State at two, Texas three, TCU four, Oklahoma State is five, West Virginia six, Baylor seven, Kansas State eight, 
And then as of right now, I also believe there's a big drop off to eight uh, to nine and 10 Texas tech at nine. I don't know what the direction is for Texas tech right now under Matt Wells. Got a lot of transferring happening out of the program. Alan Bowman. I'll talk more about that later in the show. The quarterback is leaving. They've got a new offensive coordinator in Sonny Cumbie, who Big 12 fans uh, know well from TCU. But they got to get that side of the ball figured out. The defense actually has more promise right now than the offense. And at number 10, I'm putting the Kansas Jayhawks there. KU Jayhawks in the number 10 slot. And you know what? If you want a reason for optimism, they had the sixth-ranked recruiting class in the Big 12 in 2021. And it's a long road ahead in Lawrence, but if there's a right way to do it, they are doing it. It's just a very, very slow rebuild. And Les Miles knew that when he took the job, but he's doing it with a lot of high school guys and a lot of guys who are local to the Kansas City area or elsewhere. So there you have it, 1 through 10 in our way too early 2021 Big 12 football predictions. Got to do it. Got to do it to get through these brutal months of uh, January and February before spring ball starts up. Coming up next, let's talk Big 12 basketball. Go to the hardwood with our guy, Matthew Postens on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. And before we get to our buddy, Matthew Postens, please leave us a rating and a review on this podcast. It helps us tremendously keep building the show. You're the reason why we uh, get to keep growing because of your word of mouth, your ratings, your reviews. That helps us on iTunes more than you realize. So please leave us a rating and a review on the podcast, and we will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie if you leave us a rating and a review right here on iTunes and then send me a screenshot um, of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. Well, we are in the thick of the Big 12 basketball season, and who better than our guy, Big 12 basketball expert Matthew Postens. He's on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Matthew, it is uh, Big 12 SEC Challenge Week. We'll talk about that coming up here shortly. But right now, I think the story in this conference is the Kansas Jayhawks, who have lost three in a row for the first time since 2013. Um, when you look at this team and this program and where it is coming into this week, uh, what do you think the issues are right now for the Jayhawks as we look at where the program stands under Bill Self? If you look at it from a micro standpoint and where they are right now, I, I think that they're a team that has some really good players, uh, but there's nobody playing consistently at a very high level. I mean, David McCormick did it for a few games. Jalen Wilson did it for a few games. Uh, Christian Brown's had a couple of nice games for them, but there's nobody like last year with Devin Dotson and Adoka as a Beakway where there's, there's one or two guys that are consistently playing at a high level every single game. Ochai Abaji is probably the closest player they have to doing that right now. And even he had kind of a, a rough week, rough week last week, especially in the Saturday game against OU. So on a smaller level, there's just a lack of consistency at that high level that Kansas is used to. If you're looking at it from a broader perspective, there's something Fran Fraschilla brought up during the Saturday game against Oklahoma last week, which was that he felt like this program is not getting the kinds of recruits they're used to getting. And I, I did some research on that over the weekend, and he's right. You know, if you look back at 24 uh, 7, the few years before the investigation began in 2018, and the few years after, 
you, you see a definite change in the number of five-star recruits they're getting, the number of top 100 players they're getting. You know, even though Bill Self has said he doesn't really feel as if the cloud of that uh, investigation is hanging over the program's head, I think Fran Fraschilla made a very good point that maybe it is and that there are players that are maybe shying away from them right now because they don't know what the future holds for Kansas basketball. So they're getting – they're still getting good players, but they're not getting the Wayne Seldons and the elite recruits that they've been used to getting before that investigation began a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are some good points. Now, we had a great game on Big Monday. You had West Virginia sneaking by Texas Tech 88-87 to at home, a matchup of two top 11 teams. As we look for who that third wheel uh, might be in the Big 12, you had a really good game to kind of make that case on Monday night. Uh, you've got Baylor, you've got Texas. I mean, what do you make right now of that Texas Tech-West Virginia? Who is the third best team in the conference? That, that might have been the best game I've seen all year in the Big 12, and that's saying something. Because yeah. There have been s- several really good games, but uh, that one was just incredible all the way down to the wire. And, um, you know, I think, I think Texas Tech is part of that conversation still, even with the loss. I think that West Virginia is part of that conversation. I think Oklahoma is part of that conversation now, too, because they have De- the emergence of Debbie and Harmon the past week and a half uh, has really solidified them offensively. He was a guy that was kind of going back and forth between being in double figures and not being in double figures. He wasn't shooting at a really consistent level, but you know, oddly enough, the absence of Brady Manick and Jalen Hill due to uh, COVID protocols there at Oklahoma actually kind of gave him some room to, you know, generate some momentum. And now that those two guys are back, they're coming off the bench. Oddly enough, Brady Manick, who's been starting his entire career at OU, is actually coming off the bench, and Harmon along with Reeves and, um, you know, Alondis Williams and Elijah Harkless, they're the ones that are kind of carrying OU right now. And, you know, if Harmon keeps playing the way he's playing right now, he's playing himself into a, you know, maybe a all big 12 second team or third team mentioned, but more importantly within the construct of what Oklahoma wants to do offensively. Um, he's, he's, to me, he's kind of the X factor. You know what you're going to get from Brady Manick and Austin Reeves. He's, he was at number third, number three option coming into the season, but he's starting to grow into that another number two option opposite of Austin Reeves. And that's going to be something I think that's really going to benefit OU down the stretch. So those are the three teams I'm watching right now in terms of that number three team, because like you said, with Baylor undefeated, Texas has a loss right uh, at the beginning of the week. They feel like the top two teams in the conference, but you know, this is the big 12 and you've got five really good teams in the top, you know, 18 in the country. It's some of the best basketball. And, you know, we shouldn't forget OU's ranked right now for the first time all season. So those wins over Kansas uh, and, um, and, and Kansas State last week helped them out quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. He's Matthew Poston's Big 12 basketball insider. So how about Texas Tech, Matthew? I mean, this is a team that, like many Big 12 teams, had its games postponed last week due to COVID issues. Um, now they, they have that loss to Texas to West Virginia. But, I mean, it's a team that's beaten Texas. They played Baylor close. Feels like we're not talking about them a lot. Maybe that's how Chris Beard likes it, though. That might be how he likes it. And, you know, the thing that most impressed me, even with the loss to Texas or to loss to West Virginia Monday, is this is a team that has struggled to score points at times this season. They're not a particularly great three-point shooting team consistently, uh, but they're really good driving to the basket, mid-range jumpers, turning their – uh, turning their defense into offense. And the fact that they scored 80-something points in that game 
I think really shows that they had the ability to hang with these highly, you know, efficient offensive teams in this conference like Baylor and Texas. At one point, I think the points off turnovers in that game was 25 for Texas Tech and zero for West Virginia. So that's the kind of basketball Texas Tech wants to play. They want to use their defense to generate their offense. Um, they had 10 different guys score against West Virginia Monday night. Um, they relied a lot on Mac McClung. He had 30 points in that game, but they're, they're starting to figure out where all of these different guys that they brought in as transfers, these freshmen, where they really fit into the puzzle. And I really think that, you know, this team may end up being like a, a four or a five or a six seed going into the big 12 tournament. I, I don't think that really matters that much. I mean, they're a top 15 team. Uh, I think they're going to go into the NCAA tournament as a, a three, four, or a five seed. And I think they're going to be a very hard team to deal with, you know, even if their record doesn't look fantastic in conference when all is said and done. Matthew, Oklahoma State, uh, they had a lead over Baylor at halftime on Saturday. Uh, they rolled over Iowa State, who I get is not very good on Monday, all without Cade Cunningham, of course, a, a top five, top three, top draft pick in the NBA draft next year. Who knows? But either way. Uh, what about the the ceiling for this team as it's a young team getting better, it seems like, every week? And, and a March could be very interesting for them. Yeah, it, it could be very interesting. And as far as we know, they're going to play. They they appealed the uh, postseason ban. That appeal has not been heard. Uh, we can have a long conversation about how long it takes the NCAA to do things. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but all, all signs toward point toward them being in the NCAA tournament. And, and right now they're as high as a, a six seed in CBS bracketology. So um, they, they feel like a firm NCAA tournament team at this point, but, you know, without Cade Cunningham, they've really kind of flexed their muscles the past couple of games and you've seen the future of this program. And I think if you, if you watch those two games, then you have to like what you see. Uh, they've got some really interesting players that will likely be coming back next year you know, Rondell Walker had a huge game off the bench against Iowa State. Avery Anderson third's a, a quality guard. Matthew Alexander Moncrief had another really good game against Iowa State. Uh, the Boone brothers, uh, especially Caleb, has uh, played really well this year. Uh, Mike Boynton has built a nice group of young players around Cade Cunningham and Isaac Likely, the two guys that I think are most likely to go to the NBA next year. But right now, because you have a great leader in Isaac Likely and you have a guy like Cade Cunningham who's who is playing extremely well and will probably go to the NBA, but isn't acting like a one-and-done guy. He feel, he seems like he's bought into the program. I think that's having an impact on the development of the rest of these players. They're seeing their leaders buy into what Mike Boynton is selling them, and they want to be a part of it. And that that's, you know, when you're seeing them challenging Baylor and you're seeing them taking care of business against an Iowa State team, a team they should beat, that's part of that attitude. They have an attitude to them where they don't really feel like anybody in this conference is any better than they are. Yeah. Matthew, uh, we've got the Big 12 SEC Challenge this weekend, a couple of top 25 matchups, Alabama-Oklahoma and Kansas-Tennessee. Uh, what do you think of this? I love breaking up the monotony of conference play. I think it's a fun thing to do. I like that they're doing it this year. What do you think of it in general, and, and how do you believe this weekend plays out? No, I, I like it overall. You know, the, the Kentucky-Texas game looked really, really good on paper about yeah. four months ago, and then Kentucky revealed themselves to be a team that isn't that great this year, but with Shaka Smart testing positive for COVID, he won't be on the bench for them, so that, that puts the game in the hands of their assistant coaches, so that makes it a, that makes it a really intriguing game. Uh, you know, Kansas-Tennessee was another one of those games that really kind of looked good on paper. Uh, Tennessee's still really good, but Kansas really not, not quite what we were expecting. Um, 
you know, I, I think the game that I'm most looking forward to is A, the Florida-West Virginia game, because Florida has a ton of offense, and, and West Virginia is coming out that big game against Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech going to LSU should be a really interesting game. Alabama is a top-10 team going into Norman to face Oklahoma. That, that's the game that I want to watch early. And then uh, that Auburn-Baylor game at three. Um, Auburn's not what they were last year uh, or uh, two years ago when they went to the Final Four. They're nine and seven. They've got some good players. Baylor, of course, enters this week undefeated. Baylor's going to get Auburn's best shot because for, for Auburn, that game could very well be their Super Bowl. Uh, they're kind of a bubble team for the NCAA tournament right now. So those are the four games to me that I'm really keeping my eye on. And as far as the break, I like it. I would love to see them do something with the Big East, Big 12 Challenge, you know, during the conference season where you have that other break during the weekend. I mean, the Big 12 started their conference schedule a little bit earlier this year to kind of accommodate COVID and have that week at the end. I'd love to see them push the conference schedule back out a couple of weeks and then maybe, you know, maybe, in, you know, have the SEC Challenge in late January or mid-January and then maybe have the Big, big East Challenge in maybe mid-February. I think it's a nice break for fans to see teams that wouldn't normally play each other but i think it's also good for these coaches because it gives them an opportunity to really kind of measure themselves outside of the league and see what they need to work on he's matthew postens love having him on the show every single week matthew thanks so much for the time we'll talk to you soon all right thanks Pete. coming up final thoughts on the show on heartland college sports weekly Final few minutes on the show. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. And um, if you did not listen to this week's interview with Mike Casaza, uh, Mike covers the West Virginia Mountaineers for 247 Sports, earsports.com. They do a great job uh, covering West Virginia. Well, you should. By the way, I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Heartlandcollegesports.com is the site. There was something that he said at the end of the conversation. And I'm always curious to talk to West Virginia fans about this. And if you're listening on the radio show versus the podcast, you may have missed it. So you're going to have to go listen to it on our podcast. But I said to him, I said, how do you feel about the relationship between the Big 12 and West Virginia? Now, I think they're a good cultural fit. I've been saying that for many years. I would like them to be closer so we can make the road trip to Morgantown. If you have not been to Morgantown, I highly recommend uh, in normal times, God willing, 2021 is that, uh, that you go to a game. I mean, Morgantown, I have a couple of buddies who are West Virginia graduates. So they took me down there. This was back in, geez, 2015 for the Baylor game to wrap up the season. Um, So that was the end of the 2015 season. Who was the interim coach Yeah, the 2015 season? Oh, gosh, the guy's name's going to drive me nuts now. Baylor's interim coach, Jim Grobe. Jim Grobe. That's right. Oh, boy. It was the Jim Grobe year. <laughs> oh, boy. So I guess it was 2016 then, right? That would have been 2016. Anyway, we went to West Virginia, December 2016. That was before the Big 12 championship game returned. And uh, we watched West Virginia beat Baylor in that game. Morgantown is awesome on game day. Uh, it is so much fun. Uh, it, it's got a great feel to it. It's an awesome football town, great college town. So I, I love it. 
But I said to Mike Kazaza, I said, you know, how does West Virginia feel about this Big 12 marriage? And the vibe I got was kind of like, oh, they're okay with it. I mean, they missed the Big East basketball tournament. They missed Big East basketball. And I get that. I really get that. Um, as a guy that used to follow the Big East basketball very closely, top to bottom, Madison Square Garden, West Virginia, Bob Huggins recruited a lot of New York kids. Get them in that garden setting. It is awesome. Like, I understand, even though the Big 12 is stacked, I understand culturally why that would feel different. I, I, I'm genuinely understanding of that, right? But from a football perspective, I, it's not close. Yes, West Virginia dominated the Big East towards the end of its football tenure. And that's all well and good. That's fine. Um, but it was the Big East in football. And they couldn't get big games there. They couldn't get big non-conference games there. Now at least they get Oklahoma or Texas every year, right? That's, that's a good deal. And I think just from a cultural perspective, uh, it's a good fit on the football side. I think West Virginia's got a great Big 12 football atmosphere and fan base that all ties in well together. I understand that the long road trips are difficult. I really do. But, but sometimes you got to make the effort, right? And if you're a West Virginia fan and you haven't been to Norman, Oklahoma, haven't been to Ames, Iowa, Manhattan, Kansas, and I know those are not easy places to get to from Morgantown, right? I, or anywhere in some cases. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. Austin, Texas, do it. All right, do it. Lubbock, that's difficult. <laughs> but either way, and by the way, if you're a fan of any other Big 12 team, go to Morgantown. Return the favor. The night before the West Virginia Baylor game, I had a great time. We met a bunch of Baylor fans out at the bar. They were having a, a sloshy old time. Got to meet them. Great guys. Their first time to Morgantown. I still talk to a couple of those guys. Uh, they're good dudes. Good dudes. So it's it's a good time all around that I hope that West Virginia starts to feel like it's part of the conference um, because we're almost a decade in. And I think it, it works. Outside of the geography, it works pretty well. So that was something, if you missed it, um, on the radio show, you have to go here on the podcast. I, I do a more long-form conversation on the podcast because I have more time to do it. Sometimes i got to cut out a couple of questions for the radio. So go check it out on the podcast. Just search Heartland College Sports, and you'll hear that conversation there as well. Um, final other couple of points here wrapping up the show. Oklahoma, they continue to clean up in the transfer portal. And from Tennessee, Lincoln Riley picks up Tennessee defensive back Key Lawrence. Lawrence was the number one recruit in Tennessee's 2020 class. Uh, this guy was a top 100 prospect out of Nashville, played in 10 games in 2020. Uh, yes, he was a backup, but as a true freshman, he played in all 10 games. He was the number one, number 81 overall player in the country, number six safety prospect, and the number one recruit in the state of Tennessee, according to 247 Sports. I mean, that's a big-time haul. And by the way, Oklahoma fans should say a thank you to Tennessee for firing Jeremy Pruitt because it's the second Tennessee transfer that Oklahoma's picked up in a week. Wayne Morris, the number two recruit for Tennessee in the class of 2019, offensive lineman, he is also heading to Norman. So Lincoln Riley is making a push here, man. I mean, this is the year. Oklahoma's going to get over that hump, and they're going to get to a – national championship game they may be in the best position they've been in ever in recent memory not that i think spencer rattler's better than kyler murray or baker mayfield i don't 
But in terms of being a complete team, top to bottom, and in terms of um, just having both sides of the ball, not equal, but at least comparable, this is the year. Because, I mean, that Baker Mayfield year where they lost to Georgia in double OT, that was a team that could have won a national championship, I believe, but the defense could have made a single stop. And then, you know, similar in the Kyler Murray era. Last year, that, that would have been tough, even if uh, some of those key players were healthy for the bowl game. LSU was just that good. But, man, I'll, I'll tell you right now, uh, this team is looking absolutely stacked. Absolutely stacked. A team that's not looking so stacked right now is Texas Tech. Boy, it's been a, lo- a tough few days. They have lost four players to the transfer, transfer portal over a four-day period, most notably Alan Bowman late last week. Alan Bowman, quarterback, uh, decided he was leaving. The most recent one, Jalen Polk, a wide receiver, announced that he was also going to head out. Uh, that is now a total of 14 players who have publicly said that they are going to transfer from Texas Tech since the 2020 season came to an end. That is a problem. There is no other way to spin it. That is a problem. And in a year that Matt Wells, is, I don't want to say it's make or break, right? I, I, I don't want to say it's make or break, but I will say Matt Wells has got to show improvement. Got to show improvement. There were already people calling for his job here after this past season. Heck, Art Bryles was a rumor. And I think it was just a rumor, but still, the fact that it was even a rumor tells you something. All right? So he's got to show that this program's taken the next step. And with the way this conference is stacked up, I just, I don't see how he does it. Like, who are you picking? Go through the list. Maybe Baylor. But outside of Baylor and obviously Kansas, find me the team where you say, yeah, you know, that's an easy win. That's an obvious win. Iowa State, no. Kansas State, no. Oklahoma, no. Oklahoma State, no. TCU, Texas, West Virginia, no. They might pick off one or two of them. But still, I mean, even Baylor, I think, is going to be vastly improved, as I talked about earlier in the show. So uh, not not great right now in Lubbock. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. We love you guys. We're here each and every week, all right, throughout the entire year. We're not just football. We're basketball. We're offseason. We'll take care of you. So please leave that rating and review on the show as well. It helps us tremendously um, keep growing it. Rating, review, subscribe, and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy the week, and we'll talk to you soon.